uh, in some uh, situations that are happening right now in the kingdom of God. We hope that uh, this message will bless you and encourage you. Uh, I read somewhere that a husband and wife was fighting. They went to Walmart, and the wife was so mad she stole a can of peaches. She stole a can of peaches, and uh, she got caught, and she got arrested, and she stood before the judge, and the judge said, you know, said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to make an example out of you. There were seven peaches in the jar. You're going to serve seven days, one day for each peach. And her husband said, Your Honor, she also stole a can of peas. Oh, well. Never, never gets old. It's such a, great, such a great story. It never gets old. Hopefully, hopefully this morning God's word will open up and we will walk in some areas, I believe, of uh, I believe knowledge is powerful. And I think the way you use it, the wisdom that you use it is powerful. There seems to be in the theaters, in books, in the church, there seems to be a theme that keeps surfacing over and over again, and that is the signs of the times and the end of the world. There have been several movies that, that Hollywood has portrayed what it would be like for earth to be destroyed, things to happen upon the earth. There have been several plays, several books, and it seems like there are many a prophetic voices today that are sharing with us things are going to happen, things are going to uh, transform, and where we're involved and all of that. And I think it's I think it's important that we know exactly where we stand with God, and we know what God is about to do. The Bible says there's a blessing attached to studying end time prophecy. The Book of Revelation twice says there's actually a blessing attached to finding out what's happening, finding out what's going on. And as we talk about the apocalyptic, which simply means the last day's prophecies, apocalyptic uh, chapters of Luke 21 and Matthew 24, we find that Jesus begins to lay out some things that's going to happen, take place. There, there is a, a, a board. I don't know how many is on the board, but there is a group of men that are considered to be the nuclear specialists in America, and these nuclear specialists have determined when this earth is going to experience nuclear warfare. And there's a clock, and midnight represents uh, doomsday, and this clock has been moved to one minute before midnight. The people that are watching what's going on, they're seeing what's going on. The Bible tells us in the last days it's going to be a lot like it was in the days of Noah. And we look in the days of Noah, and the Bible says that the days were full of eating and drinking getting married, getting divorced, getting married again. I received a phone call from a lifelong friend a uh, day before yesterday, uh, just a good friend, asking me to pray as he steps into his fifth marriage, his fifth marriage. And so maybe there's something mystical about the number five. Maybe this marriage will work. But it does seem to be that we are a generation that seems so quickly to throw our relationship and throw our commitment and throw our vows out the window. I don't know if there's ever been a generation that is so focused on food. It's almost like there are people in life that live to eat. We're supposed to eat to live. We understand that the Bible says it's okay to have an appetite. It's okay to eat red meat. It's good to enjoy the fruit of a land. But it seems like as you, as you go down any major boulevard or any major street, it's like there's a restaurant like on almost every 
Anybody relate to what I'm saying? And uh, I'm already hungry this morning because Keith showed me some pictures of a red snapper he prepared and cooked. Just made me, just made me hungry, Brother Keith. I started going to McDonald's and get an egg McMuffin, but I knew I couldn't get it back in time. But, but there is a, there does seem to be the nation is interested not just about food and alcohol, but interested in marriage and divorce. Uh, many people are not married; they're just living together. So we have those prophecies that the Word of God said would come to pass. And I personally believe, and, and those of you that have been here for a while, I personally believe there is an event about to happen that's called the rapture of the church of Jesus Christ. And I think it's been prophesied through the word of God. There are a hundred prophecies concerning his first appearance. There are a hundred prophecies concerning, concerning his second appearance. And there's about 30 prophecies concerning his third appearance when he actually returns and puts his foot on the Mount of Olives. There'll be an earthquake and a, ri a river will flow from the Mount of Olives to the Mediterranean Sea. And Israel, be Jerusalem will become the most important uh, city, state in the world. That's, that's the prophecy of the third coming. We know a whole lot about that coming because the Bible said we're going to be with him riding on white horses with the sword. I'm as excited about it. You've never ridden a horse before, but you're going to get a, a white, a white, not just a horse, a white horse. And I saw heaven open to behold a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. In righteousness judge make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head was a name written that no man knew but himself, and his name was called the Word of God. He's coming back just like, just like the Lone Ranger and just like Tonto. We're going to be right there with him, and we're going to usher in righteousness, and there's going to be a thousand-year millennium of peace, the devil's going to be thrown into the bottomless pit. Well, what's he going to do a thousand years? It's going to fall to bottomless pit. Never mind. And during that, during that, during that reign, some will come to earth and, and reign. Blessed are the meek, they shall inherit the earth. And others will go to heaven. And that will be a one thousand year window that we are looking forward to today. But before the, before the third coming, before the millennium, there is an event that takes place. It's called the seven years of Jacob's trouble. And I don't know if you know the story of Jacob, but he fell in love with Rachel. How cool. And uh, made a deal with her dad. Uh, I'll talk about that deal in a minute. Lot. Uh, not Lot. Help me. Um, Laban. Woo. And, and he told him that he had to work seven years for his wife. So he worked seven years, single man, working for his beautiful bride on his wedding night. The dad deceived him, gave him Leah which Leah actually turned out to birth 10 children, and Rachel only birthed two, so Leah was a good wife. She was a good, that was a good, that was a good fit. I know we hear a lot of stuff about Leah, but she was a good wife. She was a good woman, and she produced almost the entire 12 tribes that are going to rule the world uh, during the uh, millennium and when the apocalypse has ended. So he worked seven more years for her, and that's called the seven years of Jacob's trouble. There is a week mentioned in the book of Daniel that's called the 70th week. There are many people right now that believe we're actually living on the threshold of the 70th week. In other words, 69 weeks have come and gone. And really, my personal opinion for what it's worth, and I'm teaching this, and when you're teaching, you can have your personal opinion. My personal opinion, I believe the only thing that is withholding the return of Jesus Christ for his bride to be resurrected to a seven-year wedding is that there needs to be some kind of revival. There needs to be some kind of restoration. I don't believe God's coming back for an anemic church. I don't believe that God's coming back for a lukewarm or a pathetic church. I believe that there are revivals that are going to burst out 
And already in some of the third world countries and some of the countries that are oppressed, we're seeing right revivals take place where thousands of Christians are being murdered for their testimony. And we're going to look at that in just a minute. But in my personal opinion, when you look at all of the prophecies, all the things that said would have to take place, the very last prophecy, and we'll look at that in just a minute, the very last prophecy, this church and Pastor Ron and I have had a direct part in fulfilling that prophecy. When we appeared on satellite television with Dave Star, satellite tele television with TBN, we ministered to over 200 countries of the world can now hear the gospel and see the gospel from Christian television. So it is a great tool, and Marcus has been in this podium not once, not twice, but several times. We've been, we've been together 30-some-odd years, and we thank God for that friendship, and we thank God for the burden that he has they just spent several million dollars in Israel building a hospital for people that can't afford a hospital. I mean, he's not afraid to spend money. He's not afraid to sow in the kingdom. He has partners with us, and we thank God for that connection, and we thank God for that prophetic word that we have helped Daystar preach the gospel to the world. That's a big deal, and you should give yourself a hand clap of appreciation. Joni knows all about Hope House. knows all about the ministries here, the things that we're doing. And now we're going to partner even more, Ashton, as we see that day come to pass. I'm going to show you a passage of Scripture. I know, you're at, I know you're at Matthew 24, and we've got plenty of time to go where I want to go this morning and get out early. But I want to show you what I personally believe is a promise of the rapture in the Old Testament. And it's found in a very, a, a very comfortable Scripture, a favorable Scripture in Isaiah 40. And 31, and we all know what Isaiah 40 and 31 says. But if you back up just a few verses to verse 28, there's a statement that said, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the God, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? He give power to the faint, and to that have no might, he increase their strength. Even the youth shall faint and grow weary, and the young man shall utterly fall. But read it with me. But they that wait upon the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I pondered upon this translation in my research of the eagle. And as obviously Isaiah talks about the eagle and the strength being renewed, we know how those things support one another. I look at the Hebrew word in, the, in this text that says wait. But they that wait upon the Lord. And there are actually three definitions of the word wait. The first definition would be if you came up and said, Pastor Hank, I'm going to take you to the best pond in Tennessee. We're going to catch bass. We're going to have a blast. I'll pick you up at 5 a.m. I'll be up. I'll be up and, re and ready to go at 5, at 5 a.m. That's just, that's just the way that I roll. So there's that definition of wait. I'm waiting for him to come pick me up. He didn't come at 5, he came at 6, overslept, went to 7, got there, too hot to fish, end of story. But there's something about exciting things in your life that we're not afraid to wait for. We were talking earlier in the service. It has normally been the standard. If you go to the Department of Motor Vehicles, you may as well take a lunch because you're going to be there all day long. And, and, and Hannah got through in less than 30 minutes when he got and congratulations on the license. We're so proud of you driving and your car. We thank God for that. Just give us all about a 10-minute head start to leave the parking lot, and then you pull out and uh, 
and head that way. So we know what it's like to wait. We know we've been to a doctor's office, a lawyer's office, CPA. We know what it's like to wait, and there's, there's a reward at the end of that waiting. Then there is the wait where if we were to go to Aubrey's restaurant today and sit down and Lauren was to come and take our order and serve our food and bring extra bread, extra sour cream, extra butter, and she was to go out of her way to make that meal special, she would be called a waitress. And so there the term of wait is to minister to somebody or to bless somebody. So you've got the Terry, the wait, then you've got the involved in someone's life wait. Neither one of those definitions apply here. This definition of the word wait in the Hebrew is kwaba, and I noticed I think yesterday that Courtney had her hair braided, right, in three you had a braid, kind of a, was that day before yesterday? Somewhere in my life, I saw a braid on someone's hair that I saw how the three, how the three strands were taken and the three are interwined and interwoven. That's what the word wait means. And I personally believe that when the Lord descends from heaven with the shout and the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, I believe there's going to be a resurrection because we have quabbed with the Lord. We are we are flowing, we're walking. How can two walk except they walk in agreement? Two and three, uh, whatever, two or three bind on earth is bound in heaven. So there's a power. There's something that happens when you connect with God and your spirit and your life is interwoven. You're one of those that's watching and waiting for his return. Do I have any believers in the house today? So notice what happens. They that wait upon the Lord, the first thing that happens, they renew their strength. The mortal puts on immortality. The corruptible puts on incorruption. Our poor, weary bodies, we get healthy, we get whole, we get restored, and we are changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. It's an incredible change, and we're not going to stay here very long, but we're going to mount up like eagles to meet the Lord in the air, and then we're going to a place where we will run and not get weary, walk and not faint, and a whole bunch of other cool stuff that we're going to do when we get to heaven. Do I have a friend in the building that's with me this morning? As we look at the promises, as we look at this restoration pro process, and, and again, I might, I might, I might be missing it on the world revival. There may not be. There may, it may be. Maybe the Lord could come at any moment. I remember 34 years ago in Southern California when I preached my actually my second sermon I'd ever preached. I preached Sunday night, Easter Sunday, and the pastor said we're going to come back Monday night and we're going to have a revival. I had, I had, I had nothing. I really had no. I actually didn't have any notes, I didn't have any jokes, I didn't have, I only had one sermon, and I had that sermon down, I'd preached to all my friends, I know they got tired of hearing me practice on them, but I didn't have another sermon, so I went to church that morning at 8 o'clock, and uh, that day the Lord gave me this word on signs of the times, and the next day, for two weeks, God gave me a word every single morning. Don't you wish that would continue to happen in your life, that every day the Lord would give you a fresh word to share with your family, share with your friends, and I remember the revival that we were involved in, there were a bunch of people getting filled with the Holy Ghost. And Jerry, I thought you might find this humorous, but nobody was getting saved. And so one night, a bunch of my ex, a bunch of my buddies that partied and drank and all, all that stuff, they came. They actually came. There was like eight or ten of them, and I, and I gave an altar call for salvation. And I knew, I knew the, those low-down, dirty bums needed to get saved. Bless God, it was my job to make sure they got it. And I was so frustrated because nobody would lift their hand, nobody would come forward. So I, I had everybody bow their head, close their eyes, and then I, I said, just lift your hand if you want to give your heart to the Lord. And then I went, friend, I went, I see that hand. And then I went, 
I see that hand. Ash and I see, and it's crazy, but all of a sudden these people that didn't know the Lord started lifting their hand. And I thought, how cool, I'll try that somewhere else. How cool is that? And then when I begin to read about the life of Billy Graham, when they sing that song, Just As I Am, and you see hundreds of people rushing the altar, they're not sinners, they're part of a team that they're going forward, motivates others to go with them. How cool is that? I mean, how, how wonderful is that? So if you'll bow your heads tonight, we'll see some hands, and we'll see where we can, we can go with that. Matthew 24, Matthew 24. I started with glasses, but here they are. And Jesus departed from the temple, and the disciples came for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone that shall not be cast down. And as he said, upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Master, tell us, when shall be the signs of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus said, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name and sing their Christ and shall deceive many. And you should have wars and rumors of wars and see that you be not troubled for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nations shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in divers places. Then shall they deliver you, and the, all these are the beginning of sorrows, for then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Then shall many be offended, shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall arise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. And notice verse, verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness, and then shall the end come. Every nation of the world hear the gospel, and then shall the income. It doesn't say that every single person on earth hears the gospel. It says that every single nation hears the gospel of Jesus Christ. With Daystar, TBN, the other the other satellite that's circling our earth right now, the entire nation, the entire world rather, has been bathed with the word of God, has been refreshed with the word of God. Those that have television can turn television on. They can watch these programs. They can give their heart to the Lord. They can call in. They can be a part of the universal church of Jesus Christ. And it says, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world. We are a part of that generation that is actually seeing all these things come to pass. When they were in the temple, and you can understand, the temple was bad to the bone. There were 46 columns that made up the floor of the temple. These columns were 94 foot long, 12 foot wide, 12 foot square, and these 94 stones held up the porch of the temple. Okay, see with me, if you will, a stone, 12 foot wide, 12 foot deep, and 94 foot high. See that with me. And as they left the temple, the disciples were obviously bragging about the beauty of the temple. Solomon built this, been re restored by, by Ezra and, and Nehemiah. But, but Jesus hears what they have to say and tells them, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be torn down. And, you know, they had to, they had to have some kind of shock or some kind of disbelief or some kind of, Jesus, this is what we're all about, the temple, the, the holy, this is, this, is our, this is what we believe in. Thirty years later, a ruler by the name of Titus, under the orders of Nero, 
came to Jerusalem, captured it, leveled the temple, got a team of horses, and run a plow where the temple once stood. The word that he said comes to pass within 30 years. He said, this temple is going to be trashed. It comes to pass. And then he says, notice what he says in the very next verse. I think I made some, I made some notes here. Verse 5. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And we've seen that through Allah. We've seen that through Buddha. We've seen that through Sung Yang Moon, that somebody pops up and says they are the Messiah. I think just this past week there was something. Did you see that? That someone claims to be Christ. Well, he doesn't look anything like Christ. I don't think that's him. But the Bible says in the last days there are there are going. I'm coming. I'm, I'm looking for a handsome Jesus. Hello. Okay. Okay. But 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 they prophesied many many things shall try to deceive many. And there are people right now all messed up in cults, all messed up in things that are going on. And watch this. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. Our president has tried to convince the nation that if we don't sign this treaty, we're going to war. And that's the rumor. That's the war. You should have wars, rumors of wars, what the ISIS, what, what has happened. The Taliban has a new leader. Everything that's happening, these nations that are being terrified by, by terrorists and as close as 20 miles away here in Chattanooga, we can experience that and know what that terrorism tastes like and know what it feels like. And he said that would come to pass. He said, be in trouble, but all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation, say with me, Korea, Vietnam, nation, say Iraq, for nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines. If you want to make a note, one-third of the world goes to bed hungry. Without exception, every night before I go to bed, I eat a honey bun or a bowl of of uh, Captain Crunch or ice cream or something good for you. And it's usually it's usually followed, I'm usually following like three tacos from Taco Bell or that Caesar, that little Caesars with all the meat pizza or Zaxby's, their hot wings. Is anybody getting, anybody getting hungry? I don't ever remember in 61 years, I don't ever remember going to bed hungry. I cannot, I cannot grasp that. I cannot, I cannot, I cannot relate to that. I can't, I can't feel that. That's never. There's been some extended fast that I went on, which doesn't count. But, but I, I have never gone to bed hungry. One third of the world goes to bed hungry. Right now, the insecticide has become so dormant that we're spraying, or we're spraying our crops to the nation to try to kill all these grasshoppers and all these bugs. And these bugs and grasshoppers are actually developing a, 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 an antidote that it does not kill them. But yet we're spraying our crops with all these pesticides and all these chemicals. And we're really not eating anything that's really all that good for us. I have the privilege of, I have a friend in Cordell, Georgia. He is the largest watermelon grower in the world. Largest watermelon grower. 10,000 acres. I hunt his land. I fish his lake. We have a, he's, been, he's been a real blessing. Let me stay in his cabin. And we were talking one day, and he said, you know, preacher, he said, these watermelon, they have absolutely no nutritional value whatsoever. He said, we don't rest the land to a six-year, we don't rest the land. We put crop on top of crop on top of crop. And I said, that's, that's crazy. And if you'll talk to a farm, I talked to a farmer in Indiana, same thing about the corn. They spray so much stuff on it, and they, and they tried to rush that chicken to market with all of the, uh, help me. All of the, all that, all that, all those 
stuff they hormones they pump in. Man, if I if I I wouldn't mind some of those hormones. What you pastor talk about? Don't want to be eating six weeks, you know. But it's like the food value that we have today is is so negative. It's so critical. It's got bad stuff in it, and we're we're dying prematurely because our our food is bad. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted. Seven million Jews were murdered in the Holocaust. Seven million Jews gave their life. Just a few days ago, they're saying as many as 30,000 Christians were murdered for their testimony. Then it goes on to say, they shall, they shall, you shall be afflicted, they shall kill you, you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And I don't know why there seems to be such a, an attitude in the Middle East to destroy Israel. It's like they hate Israel. They, they teach their children that Israel are dogs, and if they kill an Israelite, they go to heaven with seven, seven virgins. And I don't know what that's all about because after seven nights, they wouldn't be virgins anymore. So that really, I don't know how that's all that great of a, help me out here a little bit. They seem to be motivated by stupid, by stupid things. If going to heaven, all I get is seven virgins, it ain't worth it. Hello. I want, I want, I want, go ahead. Somebody get with me here and say, I'm not, I don't serve God because I'm going to get seven virgins when I go get to heaven. And I don't murder somebody in the name of God to be rewarded, but it's taking place right now as we're sitting. And then shall many be offended. Lord, pastor a church, run a company, be a, be a contractor and find how easy people get offended, how, how they, how they, they, they get an attitude. They get, they're so angry. They're so belligerent. Twice already this year have we seen road rage murders. We had one road rage. They went home and got their gun, then went back to the person that, that they had conflict with and, and killed them. What a crazy generation. What a crazy season that we live in right now. We see the, we see the, the promise of the, the return of the Lord when things are getting bad. Let's look a little farther. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. You and I, that we've been around for a while and been serving God for a while, we remember through the years that different ones used to sit here and that row, they were there, and this row, they were there. And, and today, they're not going to church. They're not serving God. The Bible says, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. How crazy is that? But yet the ones that aren't coming, they're not involved in, 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 in any, any major sin or major negative. They just have an attitude, I don't want to go to church. I don't want to submit to authority. I don't want to be a part of the thing that God promised in the last days for us to be a part of. The iniquity many shall, the love of many shall abound. But he that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. How many endures do we have in this building? How many know that they know that they know that God's coming for them? And they're ready for that return. Let me talk a little bit about um, the uh, twinkling of an eye. The Bible says, The Lord himself shall ascend with a shout, and the voice of the archangel, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. It, this has always been kind of a fun place for me to go because we are told that the corruptible, which represents death, are going to be resurrected first. And Tanner, I realize the only reason why those that have gone on to be with the Lord are going to be resurrected first is they need about a six-foot head start. Hello? I remember there was a season where I thought that Ron and I should get coffins. And I don't know why we thought we should get coffins. It was just a, I don't want to put that hardship on my kids, and my parents have their coffins, your parents have their coffins. So it just seemed like that was the thing to do. Go buy some coffins. So I went and I examined the coffins. And there are coffins that are bug-proof. 
There are coffins that are mildew-proof. There are coffins that are odor-proof. I mean, they got all kinds of guarantees, all kinds of proofs. But, Brother Jerry, let me tell you what I didn't find. I didn't find a coffin that was rapture-proof. And whether by the way of the grave or by the way of the spirit, the dead in Christ, all the cemeteries are going to freak out, all the world's going to freak out, they're going to be resurrected out, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet them in the clouds. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. And I, I, comfort, I speak to you and declare to you, there is a beautiful land. There is a beautiful land. We're going to have the ability to do crazy and phenomenal things. I think something every morning, with that exception, I have a hummingbird that comes up now and greets me. I don't feed it. I don't sing to it. I just look at it. I open my window. He hears the window. Every It's crazy. He comes up, and you know that the aerodynamically a hot rod, is, it's proven that a bumblebee, and a hummingbird cannot fly. The, the, the length of their wings, the pressure of their bodies, they can't fly. Aerodynamically, they can't fly. Someone forgot to tell God. Someone forgot to tell God that butterfly, that sparrow, that eagle, that, I mean, I mean, sometimes I just watch and wonder, what's it going to be that day when we soar the sky? What's it going to be that day when, like, a, like, like an eagle, we fly? Well, I don't know just how it feels, but one day I know I will, for there's something telling me I was born to fly. Some glad morning when this life is o'er, I'm going to fly away to a land on God's celestial shore. I'm going to fly away. I'm going to take a trip in that good old gospel ship. I'm going to leave this world behind. I'm going past the moon, past the sun, to a place called heaven, to live with a man called Jesus and rule a ring with God forever. That's my destiny. That's my evidence. That's the promise that I have. Last year when I opened the youth camp uh, theme, it was an honor to be asked to do that, and I was asked this time to do that. I'm so sorry I missed it. But I used a story in the Bible that we're all familiar with, the ten virgins. And they all had lamps. Uh, five of them had their lamps full. Five of them did not. You know the story. The bridegroom called. The ones that didn't have oil went to the ones that had oil to see if they would share. They couldn't because what they had was what they needed for what they were supposed to do. So many things in the, in the life that we live and so many parallels to some of the signs and wonders that God has introduced us to. But a lot of things happen at a wedding. And I remember that there was a wedding that it was the, the normalcy to put the best wine first. And then when the, 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 uh, bride, the, the bride party was refreshed, they would bring out wine that wasn't so good. And some of, these, some of these celebrations could last a week. The wedding the celebration, if you were wealthy, you would have the wedding that would last a week. And entertainment, you had food, you had, you had wine. I mean, it was, quite, it was quite an honor to be invited to a wealthy person's wedding because you got to enjoy all of the, all of the perks, all the things that went with that. But, you know, when you look in the word of God concerning in the time of Christ, when a young man found a young lady that he was attracted to. And you've got to remember, when, when the young lady went through puberty, she was required, every time she went into public, she was required to, well, to wear a veil over her face that hit her nose, her mouth, her jaw. And the only thing that you could see was just a pair of eyes. And somehow that young man got attracted to that pair of eyes, and that was the, that was the one for him. I mean, he made up his mind, that's the one I'm going to live my life with forever. 
So he would go to the dad and meet the the dad of the daughter, and he would ask for the daughter's hand in marriage from the dad. When he came to the table, there had to be things that he came with. There was a dowry. You see, in the days of Christ, when a man had a son, he taught him his trade and sent him to work, and he brought an income. But when a man had a daughter, she was an investment. That daughter learned how to cook, how to clean house, how to have a family, help mom around the house, because that dad knew there was a day when this starry-eyed guy like Pastor Todd is going to see the woman of his dreams, and he's going to do whatever it takes to make that woman his. And so so the young man would go to the parents, sit down with the dad, and he would usually offer a piece of land, dowry, He would offer some silver and gold, usually 30 pieces of silver, and then he would make a covenant that he would provide for that daughter for the rest of his life. If they agreed, he signed the contract. They took a glass of new wine, and there they celebrated the the covenant by, by drinking the wine. The wine sealed the deal. So then the young man went back to his father's house because here was the terms of marriage. If you're going to get married, before you're married, you have to build a house large enough to accommodate not just you, not just you and your bride, but however many children you think you're going to have. And you're going to build this place for your family to live. And, of course, it had been the young man. He had went to Walmart, got him a pup tent, and went and got his bride. But Dad was a lot smarter than that. And when Dad said, when Dad said the building was ready, the, 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 the arrangements had been made, then the dad would tell his son, go get your bride. What will happen after, after the bride was asked by the groom for her hand in marriage, they stepped into a season of waiting. And they're waiting for the bridegroom to come and snatch his bride away because in that the token was on that day, the bride always left the house as a thief would leave the house. So in, the, in, the, in the heat of the night, the dead of the night, she would creep out the window. The bridesmaids would be there. They would turn up their lamps. They would join the bridegroom would stand out in the street and holler. But there was a, some guys in the, in, the, in the village, Ashton, that was jealous because he got this girl. So they would go in the middle of the night, and they would say, Behold, your bridegroom cometh. And everybody would jump up, turn their lamps on, and look around. And they would say, He's here. Your bridegroom, is, he's here to get you. And she would say, Wait a minute. Let me listen. Because she knew the voice of her bridegroom. And so she would listen. She'd say, No. That's not him, false alarm. They'd all go back to bed, and then maybe the next, it, it was like a joke. It was something they constantly did. They constantly were saying, here's, the, here's your bridegroom, here's your. But when the dad said, it's time, the bridegroom got a bunch of friends. He went to her house and stood out her window in the middle of the night and called out her name, and they would, everybody get excited, jump up. Behold, your bridegroom cometh. They'd get excited, and then they would jump up, and she would say this, let me listen, for I know the voice of my groom. How cool is that? I know his voice. And she would listen and she would say, that's him. That's, 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 my, that's my groom. They would lower her down the window and she would join the bridegroom. They would go to the wedding that had been prepared, been planned, and therefore four or five, six or seven days, they would rejoice and they would eat and they would celebrate. Is that not a cool story? Is that not a cool story? Well, I got to thinking about that story because there was a man that came to earth and made a covenant and made a deal, and purchased a bride, 
and sealed it with the cup of the Holy Spirit and sold himself for 30 pieces of silver. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If not so to told you, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. Right now the groom of heaven is in heaven and he's completing a place for you and I to live with him forever. I got to doing the math today. We have been upon this earth 60,000 days. If God could do what he did in six days, what do you think Jesus has done in 60,000 days? Eye is not seen, ear is not heard, neither entered in the imagination. The things that God has prepared for them, how cool is that? My mom and I got in a crazy conversation, crazy conversation. And most of you know, if you know me, I, I do not believe that we are the only race of people in, in the in the in the in the world in the in the world I don't I, I I just don't in the universe I don't believe that uh, where it said um, that many many create create creations create, that that word is a new a new creation I believe that there's probably life out there somewhere uh, maybe million anybody else any kind of and I'm not talking about you I'm talking about I really believe I don't think that we are the only ones that are that are that are here. I believe there's other civilizations, maybe billions and billions and billions of, of light years away. But my mom said something so funny. She said, "Well, if 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 there are other planets and other other univ- and other families, do you think Jesus has went there and died for them?" I said, "Well, yeah, well, yeah, because no man can enter in except by the blood the blood of a lamb." But anyway, that that Jesus that went away, that's preparing a place for us, sent us the Holy Spirit to minister to us and bless us. And when the dad, when God says, son, heaven is ready, go get your bride like a thief in the night. My sheep know my voice, the voice of another. They will not follow. The Bible says there's going to be a twinkle. There's going to be a trumpet. There's going to be a shout. And then the church of Jesus Christ is going to rise up to meet the Lord in the air. And I hope I'm at Wendy's or Dunkin' Donuts or the theater. I mean, wouldn't it be cool getting ready to watch a movie, you're in line buying popcorn, and all of a sudden you hear this trumpet and you see the, the heavens open and just grab like this guy over here, you know, and this one over here and just hold on to them as long as you could and get them up 500 feet in the air and say, okay, do you repent or do I let go? I want to take... I want to take I want to take somebody with me. I want to be involved in 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 leading the lost to the Lord. I want to I want to be a part of that. And I want to I I really do believe there is a heaven to gain and there's a hell to shun. And I believe that wait there in Isaiah, I believe that is the second coming of the Lord. If it is, we will go to heaven for 7 years. That's the 7 years of Jacob's trouble. In that 7 years there'll be four horses seven vials, seven trumpets that will be released upon this earth for her for her iniquity. It will be so horrific, the Bible says, except the days were shortened, even the elect would be destroyed. It's going to be uh, stars are going to fall out of the sky, oceans are going to dry up, battles are going to take place, the blood's going to flow to the horse's bride. I actually think that's a horse that's been killed laying there. The blood is going to flow. And this earth is going to be visited for her rejection of Jesus Christ. And I believe that we're sealed with the seal. I, th- I believe we're bought with a price. I believe that his name is written upon our forehead. And I believe by his blood we're safe. I don't believe there's salvation in any other but the name of Jesus. 
as every head is bowed, as every eye is closed. If you have wandered away from the Lord today, you're not where you need to be with the Lord, and you know that. You've been around me long enough to know I don't call attention to you. I don't send anybody back to you. But this between you and the Lord. So, Pastor Hank, if I were to close my eyes and the rapture were to take place right now, right now, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt I would meet the Lord in the air. I'm ready. I know I'm ready to go. Ponder that just a moment or so and evaluate where you're at. Then if you're here and you say, you know what, Pastor Hank, if I close my eyes and the rapture were to take place, I'm afraid that I would open my eyes and I would see shoes, purses, slacks, belts, car keys. I would see jackets. I would see sweaters. I would see skirts. But I'm afraid if the rapture took place right now, I'm afraid I'm not ready. I'm not where I need to be. Don't judge me. Don't criticize me. I just, I just take inventory on myself. I'm not where I need to be. And it really wouldn't hurt this morning if I were to get back on the path headed to God and things that are right. If that's where you're at today, as you ponder that, decide that I am not ready for the rapture, just put your hand up, put it right back down. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you for your hands. Those of you that lifted your heart, we include you also. There are five here this morning that they're not sure that they're ready for the rapture. Romans 3 and 23 says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6 and 23 says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 10 and 13. Romans 10 says that if we confess with the mouth and believe in our heart that God has raised Christ from the dead and we declare him to be the Lord of our life, that's where salvation takes place. It's not by bringing money. It's not by doing good stuff for the church. It's not taking the pastor out to eat. But it's a commitment. It's a decision that I acknowledged 2,000 years ago that Jesus Christ came to this earth as a baby and was rejected, denied, and crucified. But on the third day, he arose and told the world, whosoever believeth could be saved. That's the Jesus I believe in. That's the Jesus I confess. And I acknowledge today that my hands are not where they're supposed to be. My feet are not where they're supposed to be. I confess my sins. I confess my, my failures and my mistakes. And I'm not saying that I will leave this place and live a perfect life the rest of my life. I know I'm going to make mistakes, but I want to make those mistakes in the palm of God's hand. I renounce my sins. I confess my sins to my Savior. And I ask Jesus Christ to come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. I want to learn. I want to follow. I want to grow. I want to walk in all that he has for me. I want to partake of all that he's provided for me. I want to give myself to God. You made that prayer this morning, that vow this morning. Know that there is a new name written down in glory, and it's yours. And it's in a book that cannot be scratched out or removed. It's a book that's eternally secure. It's a book that operates on your decision from this day forward. Congratulations. We welcome you into the family and the body of Jesus Christ. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of appreciation? He is so good. He is so good. I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. What a 
What a wonderful day. What a wonderful. So so you and I now, was it clear this morning, the teaching? Was it was the rapture and then the, and then the, the, the wrath of God and then the thousand-year millennium? It's, uh, it's an, this is an incredible day. This is an incredible day to be alive. This is, this is an incredible day. And uh, let me, let me, let me share, share, share this with you. This is just a personal study. 